Hello everyone and welcome back to the second of our podcasts on trauma in the Youth Mental Health series. My name is Karen McQuinney and I'm a clinical psychologist. I've worked in the Northern Trust for nearly 30 years, mostly in CAMS and have a big interest in supporting children and families who have experienced trauma. With me today is Kira Downs. Kira, could you introduce yourself? Yes, hello everybody and my name is Kira, and I'm also a clinical psychologist in the Northern Trust and I've worked for many years with traumatised children. So I think we're going to have an interesting conversation today, Karen. I hope so, Kira. So Kira, the last time we talked about what trauma is, and we'll refer to that talk today as well. Please listen to it, everyone, if you haven't listened to it already. Today, we're going to discuss ways that we can help children and young people recover immediately after they've experienced something difficult or indeed potentially traumatic. So Kira, given what we talked about in our first podcast, I'm wondering what we can do to help a child or young person who has come through a really difficult event. Could you tell us a bit about that? So the first thing for parents to remember is that children take the lead from you. So children's brains mirror the brains of their parents. So if parents are distressed, parents are struggling, then children are gonna pick up on that. So it's really important as a parent If you are struggling with your mental health, you're struggling to cope or you're just struggling to figure out how to parent, it's it's okay to ask for help. And it's really important to ask for help. So whether that's from, you know, your family members or, you know, professional support, there's lots of support out there. And I would say, you know, in the first month after something significant has happened to a child, they'll react with normal symptoms that we would expect. So if something really traumatic has happened, Karen, you wouldn't expect a child to just be perfectly fine. You would expect some symptoms in the first month. Um, So you'd expect maybe difficulty getting to sleep or maybe some nightmares or just some clinginess, for example, and that's all very normal. Um, So just an example of Um, a child that's a family friend of mine. So she was almost involved in quite a serious incident. So crossing the road with her mum, she wasn't hit by a car, but she was almost hit and uh, luckily escaped injury. But as you can imagine, it was quite a scary experience and the car had to slam on their brakes. And, you know, child was really seconds from being seriously injured by this car. So initially, you know, she was taken to hospital to check, was she okay? And then brought home. Um, But what was difficult afterwards in the next few days is she didn't want to leave the house. And her mum was really worried that she wouldn't leave the house. So mum was really trying to make her go. And she was kind of screaming and crying when she had to leave the house, she was just so scared. And actually that reaction was perfectly normal given that she'd been through such a scary experience. No wonder she was frightened about going out again because she's only a little tot and was worried that the same thing could happen again. And her mum was becoming really upset by these reactions because she thought it wasn't normal, but actually, when she realised that her child was reacting normally, then her mum was able to settle herself and kind of not worry so much and not be so upset. And gradually, you know, she just gave her child some space to kind of draw about what had happened and play about what happened. 
She gave her lots of cuddles, lots of reassurance, um, lots of extra sort of one-to-one -one time, made sure she had the time for her. And gradually, you know, within a few days, the child was able to be back outside and playing and sleeping again. Um, but it was really key that that family knew that the child's initial reactions were all very normal. And it sounds like actually once that once once her parents realised that it was a very normal reaction, they were able to respond in a in a, in a very different way. Um, so they were able to give their five year old a wee bit of space and gradually enable her to be able to feel secure and safe again by moving out into the garden, being able to be an outside. To then, I guess, being able to be actually back to to school and doing doing normal things. Um, mm. So it's really important how we respond, isn't it? It's um, and actually knowing what's normal after a traumatic events really helpful in terms of actually adapting what we do in order to be able to be the best parent or adult around for that young person. That's right. Um, now, if we think, Karen, about a second child, if you think about maybe a teenager who was born to a mum that was in a violent relationship, you know, when when she was pregnant with him during his early years. So, you know, he was born into this situation of threat. Um, he heard the violence, he saw it many times. And we discussed earlier how his mirror neurons would have been firing as if he was being harmed over and over again. Um, and because his mum was struggling to cope, then his physical and emotional needs might be neglected. So this is an example of a young person who's experienced what we call complex trauma. And these kind of experiences are likely to have impacted on all aspects of his development. So for example, his ability to manage his emotions. Um, his ability to soothe himself when he becomes distressed or when he becomes angry. You know, often young people who've experienced complex trauma like this, their emotions are really out of control and, and really, really difficult, overwhelming for them to manage. These trauma experiences are likely to have affected, you know, how his brain has developed. So his ability to think through you know and to learn from consequences so we talked earlier about the punishments are often not very helpful for children who've experienced trauma but if you're putting in place say a consequence taking away a treat or something like that for you know difficult behavior for children who've experienced complex trauma they find it really difficult to learn from consequences and complex trauma often impacts on our ability to form relationships. So for a young person like this example we're talking about, you know, he would probably find it difficult to make good, solid friendships. And so he doesn't have that social support that would help him then to cope with just the normal stresses and strains of being a teenager. So if we're thinking about a child like this, then there's a number of different things, Karen, that we need to be thinking about. So the first one is safety. So if this young person's still living in a situation where he's under threat or, you know, there's violence still going on or there's the possibility of violence, then it's very difficult for him to recover from his traumatic experiences. 
Um, there's another podcast in a series with Mark Johnson. He talks in a little bit more detail about complex trauma. So it'll be worth having a listen to Mark. Um, so the first thing we're thinking of is safety. And the second thing we're thinking of is that all of the adults around this young person would really need to understand his trauma history. They don't need to know the details, but they need to know that he's come from a difficult background and they need to recognize that maybe some of his behavior or some of the difficulties he, he's had are a consequence of all that he's experienced. So I'm thinking, Karen, about the school, for example. Okay. I'm thinking about if social workers happen to be involved and um, even GPs, you know, um, if a young person's going to a GP, um, it's important that they're aware that trauma can have these kind of impacts on a young person's development. Of course, yeah, I can really understand that. But it would be really key that those people that are engaged with a young person, particularly school, um, because obviously children and young people spend a huge amount of their time in school. It'll be really important that um, teachers have an understanding of actually what that young person's experience. Also very important that they don't need to know all the detail, mm. um, they, but they need to have a sense of actually why it might be that a young person's behaving in a particular way if they've come through really sort of complex early trauma within the context of their own home environment. So safety, yes, absolutely key. Um, and also that sort of therapeutic system around them, which is that idea of others being aware and engaging with that young person in a way that's understanding of the trauma they've experienced and creating that safety in each of those environments that they move through. Because children are in loads of different environments, aren't they? Um, mm -hmm. So it's really important in terms of their own recovery that actually the adults around them are able to sort of provide that. Are there any other ways that we can help young people who've experienced complex trauma? So in those systems that children are involved in, particularly school, Karen, or even like a youth group, for example, that there is at least one person identified that the child knows they can go to if they're having a hard time, they're having a difficult day, that there's at least one person there that is easy to be accessed for the child. Because it can be really difficult, particularly for young people who struggle to make those peer relationships and feel connected to friends. It can be really difficult, you know, for them to kind of navigate through school and through, you know, peer relationships and, and romantic relationships as they're getting older as well. So having key adults around them in each of the kind of um, systems that they're involved in, school, youth groups, maybe in the extended family too. So okay. if a child spends a lot of time with grandparents or aunts and uncles that, that you know, there's somebody there that they can feel close to, that they can, you know, go to if they're having a hard time or they're feeling distressed. It really is that go-to person, isn't it? It's being able to actually identify a go-to person in each of those environments that the young person um, is involved in, like school or youth clubs, as, as you mentioned, or you know, other places that they might go to. I guess there's some probably something as well about that sort of permission to go to, because quite often, say in school, it's you can only go to that person at you know after school, or but actually that there's a you know that there's there's some permission given for the young person to actually move towards that individual who's safe for them within that environment. Yeah, so important, really is. So another aspect then is 
what we what we call therapeutic parenting and Mark Johnson's podcast talks about this in a little bit more detail. So most of us, Karen, have been raised with traditional styles of parenting. So you do something wrong, you know, you're punished, you have a consequence. And actually for children who've experienced trauma and particularly the more complex trauma that we've talked about, so coming from homes where there's a lot of, you know, stresses and difficulties and traumatic experiences happening. What children and young people need is this style of parenting that's quite different it's a style of parenting that's about curiosity about the child's behavior and understanding of where their behavior might come from. So we've talked about some of those trauma responses that can happen again with, you know, in the context of a reminder of, of early trauma. Uh, therapeutic parenting is also that sense of um, what we call reciprocity. So that give and take in a relationship those little encounters between um, a parent and a child where the child feels heard and listened to and you know that the parents really interested in them um, they're so important and and they can be difficult to do as children get older because teenagers it's natural that they want to kind of distance themselves a bit from their parents and you know be quite independent but often they need those little encounters throughout the day, whether that's just over a cup of tea, having a little joke together, um, talking about something that's been on the TV. It doesn't have to be a, like a really serious conversation, but having those, you know, conversations in the presence of each other so that, because sometimes with family life, young people can end up in their rooms a lot, on screens a lot. And actually sometimes we underestimate how important just having a conversation is. I can see how that will be really important, that sort of idea of curiosity and authentic, like being really authentic about your interest. And actually what a young person's been doing would be really, really important. So the idea of therapeutic parenting, um, but, it's, but it is different in some ways. I guess we're all, as parents, you're very curious about the young people but at, and your own children, but actually if a young person's come through very significant complex trauma there's a real consciousness about that curiosity I think is probably what I'm picking up from you. Mm. So kind of wondering about what's really going on in their world um, not jumping to conclusions about why they do the things that they do or why they're interested in the things that they're interested in just kind of going oh you know how come that's happened I wonder you know how you were feeling when that happened just having that curiosity, Karen, is so important. Okay, and I, I can get, so it's not about, we don't assume things about young people, we're sort of curious as opposed to interpreting. Um, we're curious about what it is that young person's experience at that point in time or what it was that they were doing. Is that, am I getting you right? Yeah, absolutely. And just giving them that sense, Karen, that you accept them the way they are. You might not be happy with their behavior sometimes, which is okay. But you accept them as a person. Okay, which I can see is really, really, really key. So are there any other things that we could think about that might be helpful for young people here? Yeah, so I suppose for all of us, but particularly for young people who've been through trauma, those basic um, ways of kind of nurturing your body are really, really important. And they're often the things that can 
go kind of a bit array when you know young people have come from really traumatic experiences so for example sleep is so key and it's it's so difficult you know for teenagers now because there's so many online distractions with social media and messaging and and all of that you know video games um but they can really have an impact on sleep um and often young people will have difficulty either getting over to sleep or they'll get over okay but they'll wake up again um, and not have a good deep sleep so if possible you know that there's a, a way or there's an agreement with the young person that they hand over devices you know at least an hour before bed and maybe do some reading or have a bath or, or do something else that's more relaxing it's easier said than done sometimes because young people really love their screens don't they they absolutely do and we can see, I guess, that, you know, the screen time really does have a big influence on sleep because we know that it reduces the amount of melatonin that we produce, which is naturally, we naturally produce melatonin, don't we, Kira? Um, But screens actually reduce that, so which makes it harder for us to get to sleep. So it's really important to have a good bedtime routine, really, isn't it? That's sort of relaxing and, and if possible, not attached to screens. So hard to get off them, though, if you're in the middle of messaging people. So another strategy is that there's, you know, settings on most phones nowadays, but you can also download apps that um, reduce the color of the screen, you know, can make it go gray at a particular time. You can time it for bedtime. There's also ways of timing the likes of iPads to turn off at particular times. Okay. Um, we're not technical whizzes though, Karen, so we can't give no. specific <laughs> advice on any of that. <laughs> Another aspect then of kind of really looking after a child's body after a trauma is to really think about nutrition. And it seems a bit, it seems very simple in a way. Obviously, we all need good nutrition anyway. But for a young person who's been through a traumatic event, it's really, really important in order to help them to recover. Um, so a good reference is a book by Julia Rutledge and Bonnie Kaplan on nutrition for the brain and for mental health um really useful okay okay um are there any other things that might be helpful i suppose i'm thinking about activity um is that something that's sort of helpful for for young people yeah so there's a number of trauma theorists who would say that actually moving your body can really help um particularly help in terms of managing your emotions so getting young people involved in sport, for example, in dance, but even just at home, you know, putting on some nice rhythmic music and having a family kind of dance off together, you know, things like that can just help everybody's mood, can help everybody feel better. You know, having a, a bit of a sing along at home, putting on, you know, some songs on YouTube and singing along with them. Okay. A bit of karaoke, Okay. you know, just... Anything that really helps get us up out of our seats, off our screens and having a bit of fun together can be really helpful. I think that's really useful. And there's also something, I guess, in terms of just thinking about the environment, you know, the actual routines of the day and how we engage with young people. Is there anything that you could tell us about that, Kira? So we know that for young people, actually having consistency, having a predictable routine 
is really, really important. As adults, sometimes we might not like that, we feel a bit bored by it. Mm -hmm. But for children and young people, it's actually really helpful. And for those who've gone through trauma already, consistency and predictability is really important. So having, you know, breakfast at a certain time, having lunch at a certain time, even on a Saturday or Sunday, having your dinner at a certain time, having a predictable routine for heading to bed. Whereas if things change too much and too quickly, um, sometimes that can be very unsettling for young people who've been through trauma. So trying to keep some consistency if possible. Obviously, things do change in family life and that's okay. But in general, trying to keep a, some you know rituals and routines in your family. I guess that, that would be in, in that sort of a situation, it would be really important that you're able to let a young person know that the routine is going to be different that day um, so that their system is able to settle and know well actually we're not having tea at six o'clock today it's going to be you know quarter to seven because my big brother's not going to be coming in until a wee bit later whereas actually if you normally get your tea at six o'clock and it doesn't appear and your experience in the past is of not being fed that might be really difficult so that predictability and I suppose tipping off or cueing the young person in to the change in routine is going to be really important, isn't it? That's a really good example, Karen. You know, I've just given that little bit of warning that things are going to be different because sometimes young people won't even know why they feel unsettled. But something like that, not getting fed at the time that they would normally get fed at, you know, even physically can have an impact mm -hmm. on their, you know, blood sugar levels. But as you say, if they've had experiences in the past where things were inconsistent and actually quite frightening, um, then a lack of consistency or sudden changes can really, you know, remind them of those early experiences. Okay, Kira. So it sounds like there's 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 a variety of different things that we can do to be able to try to help support young people, particularly if they've come through complex trauma. Um, and, and as well for, for young people in, in the immediate aftermath of a traumatic incident, albeit maybe a single incident, it would be really important for those things to be, some of those things to be in place too, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. um, but for, for young people maybe who've come through sort of complex trauma, there's key things that we need to be thinking about. So we need to be thinking about safety and the environment that the young person's in. We need to be thinking about um, consistency of routines. We need to be thinking about, as you talked about, the therapeutic parenting and that active curiosity within the child's life. Um, that those things are really important, as well as regular sleep, nutrition, being engaged in um, activity, um, getting our body up and moving, perhaps being involved in clubs or other other sort of um, activities. And as well as that, also having that clear go-to person within each of the environments that they they are involved and permission to actually go to seek that person out whenever they're feeling unsettled. So lots of lots of things to think about. Um, and I would say, Karen, with if all of that's in place and um, the child is still the child or young person is still having difficulties in coping. There's lots of support agencies around in terms of community and voluntary groups that can help and also access and support through your GP. Of course, yeah, and that'll be really, really important to be able to actually develop that network around around a young person in terms of helping their recovery. 
Um, which is going to take time. I think sometimes people think it'll happen very quickly. But if a young person's experienced complex trauma, that is going to take you know, a very significant amount of time for that young person to be able to begin to recover from that. Absolutely. So don't expect recovery too quickly as well. So maybe I think we're going to finish off, are we, Kira? Um But just to reflect on actually what we have talked about, we've talked a wee bit about what trauma is. Um, we've talked a wee bit about how we experience, how we may respond within a situation um, from an automatic perspective to keep ourselves safe whenever we're of whenever we're experiencing something that's actually quite traumatic. So we've talked about the five different reactions that may occur automatically, um, and it may be different for different individuals, but actually there will probably be one of those sort of strategies that will come to the fore, be that that it's fight, run away, uh, flee, uh, to freeze, so that's whenever we sort of tense up and, and aren't able really to move. Um, the sort of idea of please and appease uh, whenever it's uh, somebody that's uh, being abusive towards us but actually we try to please them in order to, to try to maybe try to stop it um, and also that sort of sense of a forgotten fifth one. The cry for help, the attach or cry for help where of course. we look for that connection with maybe people outside of the family um, that sense of really needing to be close to someone to keep us safe. Okay, thanks for that, Kira. We've also talked a wee bit about some situations um, and we've talked a wee bit about actually how important it is for parents and caregivers and significant others around a young person um, to be able to be there for them in their recovery journey. Um, and that can be difficult if a parent's actually quite traumatised themselves through no fault of their own and I think that's really important to emphasise mm. um, but that actually it's really important for, for parents and significant others to be able to sort of provide that space for a young person to, to recover and try to understand where that young person's coming from. We talked a wee bit about different types of traumas, so we talked about sort of single incident trauma and we've talked about complex trauma obviously as well. And then those sorts of things that actually could be really helpful on a, on a child's journey towards recovery uh, within the context of the environment that they live in, what it is that we can do. So I hope that's been helpful for everybody. And for all our listeners there, there's a short survey embedded in the text around this podcast. Kira and I would really love to get your feedback and comments, as well as any ideas or suggestions that you might have for the future uh, and topics that you might like us to discuss or cover. Kira, thank you so much for all your insights and practical tips around helping children and young people recover from difficult experiences. Thanks, Karen. Good to be with you today. Yep, it was nice. Nice chatting to you today again. And thank you to all our listeners. We hope you find today's podcast useful. And we look forward to you joining us again in the future in our Youth Mental Health with the Northern Trust. <laughs> <laughs>